Look, listen. I know how much you guys love scary stories. And while I know you're used to real paranormal encounters here, I wanted to make sure a great fictional scary story podcast and YouTube channel falls on your radar. It's called Mr. Creepy Pasta Storytime. And it can be downright terrifying. Mr. Creepy Pasta Storytime is a collection of some of the best fictional horror stories or creepy pastas that the internet has to offer. Expertly narrated by Mr. Creepy Pasta himself. Now the podcast is taken right from the popular YouTube channel of the same name. So you can listen on your favorite podcast app or get your fix directly from YouTube. Now each episode of Mr. Creepy Pasta focuses on one story and they range in length. Some can be less than 10 minutes, while others hover around three hours. So if you're looking to cut the boredom of a long road trip, or just want to squeeze in a small dose of spooky on your lunch break, there's an episode out there for you. Mr. Creepypasta's YouTube even has a non-stop horror radio live stream if you're looking for creepypastas around the clock. Now, the stories are told and written by a variety of authors, which gives each story a unique feel and keeps it all feeling fresh and original. And folks, I know, when it comes to narration, voice means a lot to you guys. And I've received feedback myself from a lot of you about my voice being a calming sense and something some of you like to fall asleep to. Well, I could see Mr. Creepypasta's voice being one that you feel the same way about. I found his voice performance perfect for this kind of horror storytelling, and he has a way of pulling you into a story, and he'll leave you hanging on every last word. Now thus far I've listened to tales of wampus cats, horrors at sea, an unsettling discovery in a morgue, and much more. Whatever scary topics interest you, be it ghosts, alien cryptids, or something else entirely, you'll find it all in quantities that'll keep you up at night. I'm serious. Mr. Creepypasta has nearly 3,000 videos available over on YouTube. And trust me when I say that is a lot of content. So next time you find yourself in the mood for some fictional terrors or chilling bedtime stories, please give Mr. Creepypasta's Storytime a visit wherever you get your podcast or over on YouTube. I'll put a link in tonight's show notes. And please don't forget, when you check them out, don't forget to tell them that Monsters Among Us sent you. Now, on to tonight's show.
good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Hello there, folks, and thank you for stopping by. For those of you new to the program, this is Monsters Among Us, and I am Derek Hayes. And you've just stumbled upon a treasure trove of real paranormal stories told by those that experienced the event. And I promise you, you're in for a treat. Now I bet those of you that already knew all that are just dying for me to get started. So for those folks, here we go. Coming to us from my home state of California, please join me in welcoming Chris Al to the program. Hi, Derek. My name is Chriselle, and I'm from Long Beach, California. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I recently just became a patron on Patreon, but I also wanted to share a story because I just listened to the latest episode, Season 12, Episode 3, and someone spoke about precognition and that they saw their mother-in-law on the floor, and then when they got to the house, they saw that she was, like, all battered up and stuff. But anyways, this happens to me a lot, actually. This takes place about a couple years ago. Um, I was driving with my sister and my two sons, who were at the time six and two, to University of California, Irvine. So I took the 405 to the 73, and just before it becomes a toll road, I take the exit, and I cannot remember the name of the exit. But I was driving, and I took the exit, and I was the first one at the stop of this exit, and it was a red light, and it was a T in the road. So... Because the way the freeway was, it was kind of high on either side of me. So I couldn't see to my left or my right because it was also like at a curve. So I needed to make a left. I had my blinker on and I was just waiting for the green. Full disclaimer, my sister, who's four years younger than me, was asleep. And my kids were also asleep. And it was nighttime. So it's also dark. I look to the left and I don't see anything. I look to the right and cars started to line up behind me. And then all of a sudden, I have this, like, image of my car, like, the light turns green in my brain, and my car moves forward so that I can make a left, but that it gets hit by, like, a big truck. And I don't know why I thought this, and I, it just kind of freaked me out, but I literally see my car getting hit and T-boned from the left because I couldn't see to, to my left. So anyways, back to real time, I see that the light turns from red to green, and I just stop and I wait because I'm like, what if that happens? And even the car behind me realizes the light is green. So it honks like, hey, girl, go, you know. But right after it honks, this huge truck, the one that was in my thoughts, <laughs> like what I was thinking before, just runs. It's red. And I just think, oh, my God, if I had gone, I definitely <laughs> would have gotten hit and I would have experience what I thought of in my brain just before the light turned green. So right when it went, I, you know, made a left and like I'm breathing hard because it like the adrenaline hit when I got to where I needed to be to visit my brother at UCI. I told both of them and they were like, okay, yeah, sure. That's kind of crazy. But anyway, just wanted to share. Also wanted to say that this kind of happens to me a lot. Sometimes I have dreams and they come into fruition. So I usually just tell my husband right when I wake up, hey, I dreamt this. And sometimes it does happen. 
So anyways, I love the show. I'm glad that I'm a patron and I hope other people go to your Patreon and it's just four bucks and you get all of these extra episodes. Yeah. Thank you again, Crystal from Long Beach. I hope you have a, a good one. Bye. Thank you, Crystal. And thanks for the support over at Patreon. And I should note it's $5 a month now instead of four due to uh, inflation or something. Now, premonition calls are not prominent on this program, although I do share one from time to time. And nine times out of ten, these stories are equal part fascinating and upsetting. And Chriselle's is certainly no different. Just think, what if she made that turn just a little bit sooner? What could have happened had she not entertained the strange vision? Could it have changed the future? Or maybe even altered the past. Now, believe it or not, this sort of phenomena has been reported for centuries, even by prominent historical figures. Imagine a premonition saving the life of assassinated American President Abraham Lincoln. Well, according to Lincoln's biographer, Ward Hill Lamont, it nearly happened. The president recounted that as he began to dream that he experienced a death-like stillness about himself. He was hearing the sounds of subdued crying and had walked down into the East Room to investigate. There, he found a covered corpse, guarded by soldiers and surrounded by a crowd of mourners. Lincoln asked one of the soldiers who had died, to which the soldier replied, The president... He was killed by an assassin. Lincoln awoke soon after in response to a loud burst of grief from the crowd and did not sleep again that night due to the intense visions in his dream. He insisted that the body on display had not been his own, so he did not view the dream as a portent of his own death at the time. This was shared with them on the morning of April 14, 1865 the same day as his assassination at Ford's Theater. Now that clip was courtesy of Oddities Observed over at YouTube. And click on the link in the show notes to learn more details about Abe's psychic visions. Trust me when I say it goes much deeper than this. And I should point out that there are plenty of reports that claim Lincoln had this premonition three days before his death. Not the day of, as Oddities Observed suggested for whatever that's worth. Either way, it's certainly noteworthy. And at its most mundane, an eerie coincidence. But you know, that's the thing about Abraham Lincoln. These sort of strange coincidences pop up with him all the time. Are you aware of the Abraham Lincoln-John F. Kennedy connection? Well, here's the Y-Files coverage of the long list of coincidences. Abraham Lincoln and JFK were both assassinated in office. 
But what about these coincidences? Both were elected to Congress in 46 and were elected president in 60, 100 years apart. Each of their names contains seven letters. Both presidents, while in their 30s, married a socially prominent 24-year-old girl who spoke fluent French. Both first ladies lost a son while in office, and each son's name contained 21 letters. Both presidents were shot in the back of the head on the Friday before a major holiday while seated beside their wives. Each assassin went by three names, John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald, and each of their names contains 15 letters. Booth shot Lincoln in the theater and ran to a warehouse. Oswald shot Kennedy in a warehouse and ran to a theater. Lincoln was shot in Ford's theater. Kennedy was shot in a Ford Lincoln. Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy. Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln. Both assassins were shot to death before they could be brought to trial. Lincoln and Kennedy each had vice presidents from the South named Johnson that took over. Andrew Johnson was born in 08. Lyndon Johnson was born in 08. And their names each contain 13 letters. I remember reading about this when I was a little kid. Probably curled up on the bus with a tiny little paperback. Freaked right the hell out. So thank you, Chriselle, for the opportunity to revisit this strange series of historical events. We certainly appreciate the phone call. Now, folks, if you have a story you would like to hear played here on the show, simply give us a call at one 608 night That's one 608 night Now, next up is an eerie little entry from Ari in parts unknown. Hi there. This is Ari calling in to tell you a story about a static man. So I am listening to season 13, episode 4, and I just heard Anna's story, and she was sort of doubting herself, thinking maybe she was just letting her grief get to her. But I have seen something similar, actually, pretty much exactly what she described. It was maybe around, oh gosh, early 2010s in Kentucky. Um, I think it was probably the summer. And I was living in this house with like three or four different roommates and my girlfriend. And my girlfriend and I, of course, shared a room. And I was just sleeping in bed next to her one night. And it was so odd. I was deeply asleep. But all of a sudden, my eyes just shot open. And I was just immediately fully awake. Like no grogginess, no like slow opening of my eyes. My eyes just shot open and I was immediately conscious, immediately awake, fully. And when I did open my eyes, I looked straight at the foot of my bed where on my side, there was a static man standing right up against the bed, you know, looking over me. And I could see like the crook in his arm where it kind of looked like he had one elbow out, like maybe like if someone had like a thumb resting in um, a belt loop or a hand on the hip and he just faded away and I just stared as he faded away and I was not scared. I don't know why. Well, I don't know if I always trust my feelings in those moments because of, you know, I don't know if anything's being manipulative or whatever. That's for another time. But yeah, I woke up my girlfriend and I was like, Hey, I just saw a man standing at the end of the bed and she freaked out. She was asking questions like, what is going on? And I was like, no, he's like, 
faded away. He was static. And I was like, I'm actually not even scared. And I fell right back asleep. So I just wanted to let Anna know that I've seen something similar and I wasn't scared. So I don't know, maybe that would <laughs> help you. But I also want to mention that the girl I was dating at that time came from a very interesting family. And I could tell you guys so many strange, like interdimensional, like mirror traveling stories that her dad claimed he had experienced. So I don't know if it was her, I don't know what it was, but yeah, just wanted to let Anna know that you did see what you saw, or at least I believe you did. Thank you so much. I love the podcast. I just found it and I'm working my way through it. I'm binging it. So yeah, it's awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Ari. You know, a hand on the hip like that. You know, it sort of reminds me of a gunfighter from the Old West. You know, a lanky cowboy with an itchy trigger finger. But to that hypothesis, I will say, the caller didn't leave their location, but I know the general area. And it's not a place, nor near a place, that I would consider associated with that particular Wild West behavior. So that's likely a dead end. The static man, though. Who or what is it? And where does it come from? And I suppose, most importantly to a lot of you, how in the hell can you avoid it? Until those answers are found, we thank you, Ari, for the little freak out. Now, speaking of freaking out, you ever see something so out of place that it takes you aback? Have you ever stumbled upon something so unusual that its existence doesn't even seem possible? Well, I know that Jeremy, over in Virginia, has had just such an experience. Hey Derek, how you doing? This is Jeremy, calling from Northern Virginia. I have a little bit of a ghost story for you. So, back in like 2002, 2003 maybe, I'm from a small town in Northern Virginia. Well, me and my father, we were doing some work with the local historical society, working on an old cook's kitchen. Well, I happened to be there by myself one day, and as I'm tearing down a fireplace inside the cook's kitchen to rebuild, I had left for a few minutes to let all the dust and whatnot settle. And after that, about 20 minutes, I went back inside, and on top of the pile of bricks, was a fresh picked rose. Now, I don't recall seeing any rose bushes around the property, but yeah, so that's my story. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Those are some classic ghost story vibes. Dare I say almost Disney-esque. Thank you, Jeremy, for calling it in. Now in my head, I'm picturing a long stem rose, like from a bouquet of flowers. A couple leaves, maybe a thorn or two, and a vibrant red closed head of petals at the top. But I bet it was more of the outdoor variety that he found. Open petal, short stem, or maybe even stemless altogether. 
something I probably would have found in my grandmother's flower bed growing up. And if the latter is the case, I wonder if a bird or squirrel put the flower there. Now crows and ravens are infamous for gifting things to humans. There's even a popular story a few years back about a little girl that began receiving gifts from the crows she started feeding. Paper clips, lost beads, shiny rocks, pieces of bone. You know, the same trinkets I have laying around my office. Anything that catches our eye. Anyway, the logical thought here is that an animal of some sort put the rose where Jeremy found it. But of course, I was not there. So Jeremy is the only one that can tell us if what I'm pitching is even possible. Or if this truly was something supernatural. Regardless of the cause, we can't thank you enough, Jeremy, for sharing that entry. Now I've started receiving personal emails from folks about the open position here at Monsters Among Us asking if we've chosen a candidate or not and if the position might still be available. Well, long story short, yes, it is still available. But only because we've been extremely busy with everyday life the past couple of weeks. Flooding issues in our work area, mostly. That and our cat Annabelle has been very sick. So weekly all-day trips to Los Angeles to visit her vet certainly haven't helped. So again, long story short, we haven't narrowed it down just yet, but we're hoping to here very soon. So if you've submitted your information, please be patient. And if you'd still like to, simply visit the Jobs tab over at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. And thank you everyone for your patience. It's already been a very long year here. Now let's dive back into the action with a cousin of the Static Man, or so I assume. Dale from New Hampshire. Welcome to the show. Hi, Derek. This is Dale. I live in New Hampshire, and I got referred to your podcast by another podcast, Area 52. And if you haven't heard them, check them out. They're really great. Um, so my story happened to me three times, and it's what we called, my family, the man on the washer. And thinking about it now, I know you have a lot of stories that you have talked about of the, the hat man, and this is the same description. So I call him the hat man now, but my family refers to him as the man on the washer. So in the early 1990s, my parents weren't very wealthy, so we lived in a small three-bedroom apartment in Massachusetts. And one night, it was summertime, very hot, so we only had one AC, which was in the living room. So we were, me and my siblings, me being the youngest, I was sleeping on the floor, and I had woken up just feeling weird, feeling like something was watching me. And I happened to look up and look over toward our washing machine, which was right off of where our kitchen was. And I had seen this man sitting on our washing machine. And he looked like he had a black trench coat. He was all black like a shadow and a black fedora hat. And I looked up and I saw it looked like he waved, like his fingers very slowly, almost like a slow motion. 
and I couldn't believe it and I started crying. I thought maybe there was an intruder or something and me crying woke up my siblings and when they saw what I was crying for, they started screaming and panicking. We fled to my parents' room and my parents got up, you know, thinking that there was an intruder, they searched the house and there was nothing. Strange, my mom pulled us in a room separate the next morning and asked us all individually what we had saw and we all described the same thing. So a few years go by and we having a Christmas party and after the Christmas party, I'm in a kitchen. Now this is a different apartment. I am in the kitchen, it's like a galley kitchen, so it's a very small, narrow hallway, and at the end of the hallway was the sink. So I'm doing the dishes after the Christmas party, and to my left is a door, which was our laundry room. The door was ajar a little bit, and I happen to look inside there as I'm washing the dishes, and I see something peering back at me in the darkness of that room. And I, I'm trying to focus my eyes, and as I'm doing so, this thing's face like approaches me, through the crack of the door and I jumped and it was the same thing the guy with the hat I didn't see his full body because this was just his face coming closer to the crack in the door and I jumped and I dropped the glass and I'm backing up my mom you know what's the matter what's the matter and my brother was at our kitchen table and he's seen it and he's like mama look it's right there and we saw its face was peeking out from this little crack in the door. I mean, you could see it clear as day. My mom couldn't see it. So uh, that was the second time. And then the third time we had saw him, it was only me. I was married and my wife and I moved. We lived on our own. And I've told her all the stories. So one night I wake up and I'm getting dressed for work. And I used to wake up really early, 4 a.m. to get ready for work. And I woke up. And I'm sitting at the edge of my bed, you know, contemplating going to work because who likes going to work? And I see outside my window this man in a trench coat and a hat. And he's just standing on my neighbor's porch and he's looking up at me. Now, this is 4 a.m. in New Hampshire. Nobody's around. And I'm kind of like focused. I'm like, all right, it's kind of weird. I don't know why there's somebody standing there. They didn't move. So after I get dressed and I'm putting on my boots at the foot of the bed, I look out the window again, it was gone. But I happened to snap a picture of it when I woke up and I do have the picture. I will email it to you if you'd like. But that's my story. I believe in the hat man. I met a few people afterwards that also claimed they had saw this man in a hat. And I looked it up on YouTube and sure enough, I'm not alone. My family is not alone. Multiple people have seen this and they call him the hat man crazy story but thank you Derek um, I appreciate your time thank you thank you Dale and thank you Area 52 for spreading the gospel now Sarah managed to get in touch with Dale and just moments ago he sent the photo that he'd mentioned in his submission along with all this additional information this was taken at 4am while I was getting ready for work I was having a really bad dream and woke up sweating and scared I decided to get dressed for work early I glanced out the window and saw him. I grabbed my phone as fast as I could and snapped this picture. Then I sat down to put on my shoes and got up. And he was gone. Crazy thing is, that house he is standing in front of is abandoned. And it's in a rural part of New Hampshire. I hope this gets to you in time. Thank you, Dale. Well, indeed it did, Dale. And we thank you. 
and the photo is as described. A grainy image of a darkened house with a silhouette of a man standing in front of it, donning a fedora-style hat. Hit up the show notes or visit our social media to take a look at this photograph for yourself. It's certainly freaky, and we thank you, Dale, for taking the time to send it in. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Dale's paranormal adventures, visit his YouTube over at Horror Roadsides Show. Now, unless this is your first time listening to Monsters Among Us, you've heard me talk about microdosing many times before, and how much it's helped me and all sorts of other people feel and perform better. Well, tonight's show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD for people who want to feel just the right amount of good. Yeah, I mentioned THC. But before you tense up, keep in mind that Microdose Gummies are legal everywhere in the United States. And while these gummies do contain cannabinoids, we're not talking about getting stoned. We're talking entry-level doses to help you sleep, get the creative juices flowing, and more. Some people even use them for workouts and recovery. I've found that not only do they help me fall asleep faster, they also have helped me deal with my chronic back pain. On top of all that, the gummies taste great and make me feel great as well. Now, Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code Monsters Among Us to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and code Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And now back to that shadowy figure ducking down the hallway. Now, next up is another Disney-esque experience. Here is Audra from Arizona. Hey, Derek. My name is Audra. I am from Arizona. So I'm calling about a UFO sighting, possible UFO sighting. So this is back in about 2015. I am from Yuma, Arizona, born and raised. I was living in Avondale at the time, Avondale, Arizona. So I was driving back and forth a lot in between Avondale and Yuma visiting family. One night, my mother and I were driving back from Avondale to Yuma. Now, I have been down this drive many, many times and never seen anything. I know there's lots of military testing. You know, I know all that's going down over there. But this is something I don't think is military. So we are in between, I believe, Buckeye and Gila Bend. And there's, like, nothing in between there. There's just desert, and that's about it. So this is probably about 9 p.m., and there was maybe one car a couple miles ahead of us. You could barely see the taillights. And my mother's driving. I'm in passenger. And I look up to my left because I thought that I had seen a comet or a shooting star or whatever. And it's probably the the shape of that, the typical, like, ball with the flame coming off the end, except when I paid attention, it wasn't fire. It was, like, lights. I would describe it looking like Tinkerbell lights, like the, the little sparkles that come off of Tinkerbell when she flies. It looked like that. And the way that the lights would come and dissipate was starting from the tail going up to the front, and then as the lights would go up, the tails behind it would dissipate, and then it would go completely black, and then it would start over again. 
So I couldn't really tell what the shape of the object was, but I don't know. It could be just a circle. I don't know. So it was probably about maybe 200 to 300 feet above us, pretty close. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, Mom, what is that? I'm like, what's going on? Is that a freaking UFO? I was calling my boyfriend. I'm like, oh, we're going to die. There's a UFO. Like, I don't know. And then so a second one showed up. And then a third one, fourth one, and I think there were a total of five or six that eventually showed up. Now, these things were following us. I mean, like, you know, we're going 75, 80 miles per hour, and these things are keeping up. And every time that they would would disappear and pop up again, they were almost, like, closer and closer to our car. And so we got to the point where the final one showed up literally right above our car, probably about 100 to 200 feet up, and then it just went completely black, and that was it. And all of them went out. Did not see them again. We rolled down the windows the whole time. We couldn't hear. They made zero sound. I have never, I mean, again, living in Yuma my whole life and both Avondale, I've seen lots of military testing. I've seen nothing like this. I don't think it would be drones. Anytime I try look, Googling it, looking it up, I just see things about the same flights. So um, if you could find maybe anything similar or video evidence, I wish I had gotten a video of it, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, if you can find anything else that you think is similar to this, absolutely let me know. I would love to hear anyone's similar stories. And I love your show so much. I listen to it at work with my clients. I work at a salon and we love your podcast. Thank you for all you do. Bye-bye. We appreciate it, Audra. Look, the state of Arizona is no stranger to infamous UFO activity. The Phoenix Lights, as Audra mentioned. The infamous Sedona UFOs. And of course, the well-known Travis Walton abduction case all took place in the Grand Canyon State. So if you want to see something strange, Arizona is a good place to start. And while we're on the topic of UFOs... Did any of you happen to hear about the government's latest report on the subject? And what this report found is that there have been more than 300 new sightings of what the government calls UAPs or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or more commonly called UFOs, since the last time that the ODNI put out a report like this back in 2021. Back then, the ODNI could not explain 144 sightings of UAPs. This time, now they can't explain 171 of them. And one part of the report that really stands out is this one. It says that some of these uncharacterized UAPs appear to have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities and require further analysis. Uh, But they did give some explanations for about 163 of the sightings that have been detailed in this report. And here's how they explain those. The vast majority are either balloons or balloon entities. Uh, A handful were drones. Another handful were what they call uh, airborne clutter, things like birds, 
weather events, uh, or airborne debris like plastic bags. So the bottom line here, members of Congress say that this is a step in the right direction to reducing the stigma associated with reporting sightings of UAPs. It's also a step in the right direction to enhancing national security because, remember, uh, a lot of these sightings happen uh, right around military bases or assets. But uh, while it's a step in the right direction, members of Congress say the Pentagon, uh, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, still have a long way to go to giving them the answers that they ultimately want. Now that clip courtesy of CNN. Okay, I've got a theory about all this. I think the government is working actively to bore us to the point that we forget all about the subject of UFOs altogether. I'm not sure what I was expecting with these government reports, but perusing through them is like watching paint dry. Show us the videos. Show us the images. Show us something. You know they have the footage. That's just my two cents on the subject. And since we're here on this topic, I have another odd aerial encounter to share with you guys here tonight. And this one, part of a two-parter from Shane in the state of Utah. Hi, Derek. My name is Shane. I'm calling you from Utah. So I got two stories for you. Uh, The first one happened overseas, and the second one actually happened pretty recently here in the States. So the first one happened to me in July of 2009. I was deployed to Iraq, and we'd been moved out of our housing unit to give room for the replacing unit, and they moved us to a building kind of on the edge of our FOB, which is our operating base. The building was a a square with a hallway all the way around it, a big square with a courtyard in the middle that had glass that you could see into the courtyard. Some of the rooms were kind of boarded off. The rest of my unit was in there. was about 28 people. I was in a room with two other guys, and at night, we started to hear people running around the halls. Kind of look out to see what was going on. Didn't really see anybody. Kind of got to the point where things got kind of a little eerier. One night, I was sitting there in my room with my friends. They were playing on their computers, and I was just reading a book and we heard laughing. Now, it wasn't an adult laugh, it was like a child's laugh. We all looked at each other and we stood up and I immediately ran to the door and opened it to see what was going on or who it was or what was happening. And at the same time, a couple of other people opened their doors and kind of looked at me and like, did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. So we stood there for a minute, didn't hear anything else. I remember walking through the building to go to the bathroom outside at night and you'd see shadows on the other side of the courtyard running up and down the halls. Um, now I know that that side of the building, there was nobody there, and everyone was pretty much keeping to themselves. I mean, we were at the end of our deployment. Everyone was kind of tired and didn't want to mess around, so I thought that was kind of odd. That was my first experience with that. The second one actually happened this past summer in Washington State. I'm a wildland firefighter now. I work for a federal agency, and I was up in Washington for dry weather that they were having. We got called to a fire late in the evening, drove out to it. It was not too far outside of Grand Coulee along the Columbia River. Uh, We worked about 28 hours, and every time we try to get ready to go bed down, the fire would flare back up and we get called right back to it and never actually got a chance to chill out. So finally, it was about three o'clock in the morning. Me and three other people were in our truck and we had the doors open and we're standing, looking over the back of the truck, watching the burn. They were trying to control the fire by making more fire. And I saw these three lights above the smoke. You know, they kind of stood out because they were a little bit brighter than the stars out that night, and it was pretty clear aside from the smoke. 
And they caught my eye for a second, and I just kind of stared at them. I pointed it out to the other people, and they were like, oh, yeah, I see that, I see that. Not more than a few seconds later, all three simultaneously seemed to lift up and just dissipate. And uh, kind of threw us all for a loop. Like, I know we hadn't slept, you know, close to 30 hours, but more than one person saw it, and we all confirmed to each other that we weren't crazy and we weren't seeing something that wasn't there. So anyway, man. Keep up the good work. Just found your podcast recently. Love the show. My kids love to listen to it on our long trips back to Arizona. And just keep it up, man. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. Well, it's certainly much more exciting than some stupid government report. You know what? If you don't mind, let's just go ahead and make this a UFO hat trick. But first, a little refresher on an age-old legend. North Carolina's Brown Mountain Lights. Strange tales of this mountain have been told from generation to generation for hundreds of years. The legend states the first to speak of the mystery, Cherokee and Catawba Indian tribes 800 years ago. No one has solved the mystery. What are these lights? Captured here in photographs, there are no roads and no homes on the mountainside, no artificial lights, yet the lights keep appearing and disappearing. I've seen them since I was around 16 years old. At the bottom of the mountain, they come up in uh, little red lights, so, and then they fade away. Patsy Keller has seen the mythic lights, and she's heard all the folklore about what they might be. The oldest saga told is that of a vicious battle in the 12th century between warring Indian tribes. So many warriors were slaughtered that young Indian maidens came to the mountain at night to search for any sign of life. The scene was so tragic and overwhelming that the maidens, their torches held high, haunt the mountain to this day. That clip brought to us from WCNC, NBC News 36, out of Charlotte. Now, with that out of the way, please welcome Jim from the Tar Heel State. Yeah, hey, this is Jim calling from Apex, North Carolina. I was recently introduced to your show by my son, Phil, and wanted to tell you about an occurrence that occurred back on the 22nd of October, 2021. It was just about a week or so ago. I saw several lights that were present a few at a time, usually, maybe like three at a time, four at a time. And this was at the Table Rock area of North Carolina, Linville Gorge, where a lot of rock climbers go. So initially I thought, well, it's just rock climbers repelling at night. But if that was the case, they repelled very, very quickly, which looked like it was too quick for a human being to do without hurting themselves. And it was getting near midnight. It was a beautiful, clear night, stars in the sky, full moon, temperature was around 50 or so degrees Fahrenheit. I had heard about the Brown Mountain Light by the roadside plaque that's over there on Route 181. You know, I was intrigued, never really saw anything special, and I've been going up to these mountains now for 20 years, usually spring and fall, so that's like 30 or 40 trips up to these same mountains. And on this particular night, we're just sitting there talking as usual, and started seeing lights at the top of Table Rock, like a couple lights. One of them dropped very, as I say, very quickly down, kind of to the base of that ledge. And the, 
keep in mind these are sheer rock faces that's why climbers go there there are no roads up there it seems highly unlikely that any vehicles could be up there motorcycles or atvs or anything like that this went on for probably 35 45 minutes uh, and then we just we took off to go back to our campsite i mean it was still ongoing when we left it was very cool don't know what it was if it were people they had to be very highly coordinated together from you know a distance of a quarter to a half mile apart to try to get this to be orchestrated in a fashion if somebody was trying to mimic the brown mountain lights or whatever i suppose they did a very good job i really don't have a good clue on what this is i've been doing a little bit of research on the web and apparently there are folks particularly uh, Professor Daniel Caton at uh, Appalachian State University that has put forth a hypothesis about this being like a lightning ball. I spoke with this particular person at Appalachian State, Dr. Caton. They were going to put cameras at Wiseman's View, which is where I was when we saw these sightings. It's just across the gorge from Table Rock. Dr. Caton said that there were a lot of difficulties Getting cameras up in there just because it's a wilderness area, it's protected. They had to, you know, guard against any kind of vandalism or what have you. So they ended up not putting cameras there. I didn't have my phone with me because I don't get a signal up there. So I wish that I had had my phone. But uh, these lights were very circular, all pretty much the same diameter, moving around, kind of floating, hovering above the trees, below the trees, down into the ravines. We enjoyed this show for, like I say, a good probably 45 minutes or so. I've never really seen anything like it. There were eight to ten lights at a time, moving around slowly, but, you know, very steadily, I would say, kind of floating and dipping down into some deep gulches and ravines. Anyhow, my time's running out. It was super cool. Don't know really what it was, but hope you can use this for your podcast. And I really enjoy listening to your show. Thanks again, Jim from Apex, North Carolina. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jim. Yet another place that I'm dying to visit. When we have the time to travel, that is. But it's not all that often that you know exactly where to stand to witness some paranormal activity. But you know folks around Brown Mountain can show you exactly where to go. In fact, they even put information like that on the news. The Brown Mountain lights can be seen from the Blue Ridge Parkway at mileposts 310 and 301 and from the Brown Mountain Overlook on NC Highway 181 between Morganton and Linville. There is also a Brown Mountain Overlook on North Carolina Highway 181 that was recently improved with help from the city of Morganton for the purpose of attracting those who visit the area to see the lights. For even more information, you can go to brownmountainlights.com. That clip belonging to North Carolina Weekend from PBS. Now, I also found some of Dr. Caton's work on the internet. Footage from cameras that he did manage to install at some point that did capture some activity. And the link to those videos and all other media used in this production can be found in tonight's show notes at monstersamonguspodcast.com 
forward slash show notes. So go take a look if you're curious. And go to Brown Mountain yourself. If you're so brave. And thanks again, Jim, for sharing your experience. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all strive to be the best version of ourselves. But I also know firsthand how difficult it is to feel like your best self when you're feeling overwhelmed or have something bogging you down. Now, I found that working with a therapist can really help you in that situation. Therapy helps me get things off my chest in an environment where I don't feel judged. It also helps me be able to talk through issues with a neutral party who is there solely to help me grow and find happiness. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient and affordable. And if for some reason you aren't vibing with the therapist that you're matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Now, if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash monsters among us today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash monsters among us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to that creature that just slipped into the water. Now, guys, it's my understanding that Dave's entry from last week's show and the similar calls that I found and shared didn't sit too well with a lot of you. Apparently, there was some chatter on our social media about how badly the segment creeped a lot of you out. Well, this probably isn't what you want to hear, but I thank you for the intel, and I'll be sure to keep my eye out for that sort of thing in the future. Now that I know the effect that it has on all of you. But you know, a spooky telephone call is one thing. Knocking on someone's door, well, that's another. Just ask Josh, who called in from Tennessee. Hey, Derek, this is Josh from Nashville. I've grown up being a really, really big paranormal and horror movie type fan. Uh, I've always enjoyed the classic Universal Monsters. Uh, my late father and I would always watch The Wolfman and Dracula, and we really loved The X-Files. So we've really had a lot of fun enjoying those kinds of entertainment. But I had never really had any experiences with my own personal situations. So I thought, you know what, I've listened to enough of your show. I'm just going to go ahead and share. You know, maybe it's not as good as some of the other ones, but... It is my contribution, so it's the least I can do. Anyway, I was a census worker. It was late September. It was probably about 5.30 p.m. We're supposed to walk up to houses, knock on the door. Of course, during the pandemic, that's a little bit dicey. So we knock on the door. Nobody answers. We're supposed to go to the back door. So off I go to the back door, knock on the door. Nobody answers. The last thing we're supposed to do is go check on a neighbor to see if the neighbor has any information. So I look to the side and I see that there's a blue car. The hood is closed, but the trunk is popped. So I think, okay, well, maybe somebody's digging in, digging back there. So I start walking over there and I say, excuse me, I'm probably, you know, maybe a hundred feet away or so. Excuse me. Nobody answers. As I keep walking, I notice that it doesn't look like a person 
it looks more like if you think about the Dementors in Harry Potter with their black cloaks, it kind of looks like that. So I'm getting a little bit freaked right now. I'm starting to worry. Keep walking. And I say, excuse me. And as I'm about 20 feet away, suddenly does this move like where you throw the cloak over your head and disappear into one motion. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's like Harry Potter, the Dementors, where they disappear into thin air. I couldn't believe that what I had just seen, I did not knock on that door. I just turned around and walked back to my car. But it's the only paranormal thing that I've ever seen personally. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the death figure, like, you know, the typical Grim Reaper or <laughs> if it was a Harry Potter Dementor. I didn't. I had not watched the movie or anything recently, so it was not in my brain. It was just like it was a hooded black figure and then it was gone. That's all I got. Thanks for all that you do. It's a great show. I really enjoy it. And I hope you're able to use this. Thanks. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I'm sorry, but that infamous line from the film Silence of the Lambs was all I could think about throughout Josh's terrifying entry. Him being a census taker and all. This is one of those entries where I struggle to find any logical explanation to explain the encounter. So instead of guessing, I'll simply say, thank you, Josh, for the unsettling experience. Now, real quick, before we venture forward, don't forget you can still take advantage of our New Year's sale over at our merchandise shop at monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. 15% off everything, store-wide. Again, that's monstersamonguspodcast.com and just smash the shop button. Now, if you will, please welcome tonight's closer. Out of the state of Connecticut. Sean, welcome to the program. Hey, brother. I absolutely love your show. My name's Sean. I live in Connecticut. Meriden to be exact. I'm a big fisherman. I like to go out. Not a big hunter, big fisherman. But I know to get the big ones, I started hitting the reservoirs, the illegal reservoirs. There's a couple near around where I live. A couple towns away from me, there's a reservoir called Broadbrook. It's uh, in between the towns of Cheshire and Wallingford, Connecticut. Vast, vast woods, thick woods. I mean, you barely can walk through them. There's two parts between two towns that have roads that separate the reservoirs. There's four reservoirs altogether. You could Google it if you'd like. Anyways, I had my wife drop me off about 5.30 a.m., give or take. Told her to pick me up around 7. Not to push my luck getting caught. So I walked into the water, about up to my knees, and I noticed how quiet, everything was quiet, no noise, and the water would seem darker than usual. I couldn't even see my kneecaps. I mean, it was dark. It was really dark. No noise, no birds, no bugs, no ducks. So I took a couple casts, and that's when I heard it. It was a little growl coming from the other side of this part of the res. It was like a... And didn't pay no mind to it. Absolutely didn't pay no mind to it. 
So I cast a couple more times, reeled in my line. And I, I hear like a cracking in the woods, it, it, like a low <laughs> And then by the end of it, it sounded almost like a lightning strike. <laughs> I see a tree fall from the other side of the res. And it had to be close to the water because when it fell, the big top of the tree hit the water. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God. When that tree went down, this was pushed over. This thing was pushed over. It, when it went, then it, if you could ever imagine a lightning bolt coming down and hitting a tree, how loud it was. And then it cracks and falls. That's how loud it was. And then they hear the grunt afterwards. It, it was it was insane. It was scary. I mean, and I'm not scared of much. I mean, my dad showed me this place. I, he did two tours in Vietnam, and I mean, this was like this place is sacred to fishermen. This place has dinosaur fish. I mean, we pull out eight, nine, ten pound bass, pickerel the size of alligators. This place is so beautiful. And it's not only that, I've brought my stepson in there so many times, and he always tells me he feels like he, we're being followed. And there were so many times, I got so many stories about this place because I've been fishing there for years. When you're walking, and then you start hearing somebody just above the ridge walking beside you, and then like you'll, you'll figure it out, and you'll start walking and stop real quick, and you'll still hear a couple footsteps go a step or two ahead of you. So I, uh, I was scared. The, the, the hair on the back of my neck stood up like, like wire. I was like, oh my God. I called my wife right back. I called my wife right back. I said, come back and pick me up. She had just dropped me off 20 minutes before. I said, babe, I'm, I'm almost home. I'm like, please come back and pick me up. And as I'm sitting there, I hear another noise. It's, I can't explain it. It was, it was like a guttle growl, like, like a, just a, like that. And I was, oh man, I'll tell you what, I was my pants. I was scared. So I, I moseyed out of the res. Now to be down in this res, I'm hiding in the water. I mean, there's a game warden comes by here, you know, a couple times during the morning. And it was barely light. It just started getting light. It's just crazy. And I got many a friend, many a friend who have told me that when they sneak into this reservoir, two in particular said they saw something. Now, I'm a believer in Bigfoot. And I got to admit, from what I've been hearing, I'm a believer in the dog man now. I would think, if anything, if you Google map it, you'll see the sizes of these reservoirs and see the sizes of these woods. The only people allowed to be in there is a rod and gun club. They've got access to the land. I, I'm not sure if they fish, but I know they got hunting rights there. But I'll tell you what, that was one of the scariest times of my life. I mean, everything about it was odd. Just the vibe was so odd. I was, I was dumbfounded. I, I was scared. I was straight up scared. I ended up talking about it to two buddies of mine who fished that reservoir too. And they told me they came across a different being in those woods. And they had no explanation either. And they said it kind of looked like a wolf. And that's what made me think of dog man. But I firmly believe this was probably a Bigfoot. So that's what I had to say, brother. I know it's not totally exciting, but it scared the, the hell out of me. But uh, awesome show. Be safe. Peace. Thank you, sir. Now, for legal purposes, let me point out that Monsters Among Us does not condone any illegal behavior. So don't say I told you to hop any fences. But with all of that out of the way, it sounds like Sean had a rough morning. 
And to break it all down, let's start with this. I can see why Sean would say that this might have been Bigfoot. The vocalizations and the tree-pushing behavior is consistent with other alleged experiences found throughout this country. And although Connecticut doesn't seem like it, it does have a history of sightings such as these. And it also has its own infamous monster. In the August 27, 1895 edition of the Winstead Evening Citizen and the Winstead Herald, the following was reported. A wild man. He appears to Selectman Smith of Winstead and scares his bulldog. Selectman Riley W. Smith of Winstead was picking berries in Colebrook Saturday when his bulldog, which is noted for its pluck, ran with a wine to him and stationed itself between his legs. A second afterward, a large man, stark naked and covered with hair, all over his body, ran out of the clump of bushes, and with fearful yells and cries, made for the woods, where he soon disappeared. Selectman Smith is a powerful, wiry man, and has a reputation of having lots of sand, and his bulldog is also noted for his pluck. But Riley admits that he was badly scared, and that his dog was fairly paralyzed with fear. Now, in additional interviews, Selectman Smith claimed that the creature was a wild, hairy man of the woods, and that he stood six feet tall, with long black hair on his head that hung down to his shoulders, and shorter black hair that covered the body completely. It was muscular and agile, and Smith considered the creature dangerous. And after that, citizens around Winstead began to see this crazed animal. One farmer claimed it stole chickens. A few women in town claimed to see an escaped gorilla. And one man even claimed to have caught a photo of the beast. But upon developing the image, it morphed into that of a normal man with a nice head of hair. Now when asked about his wild claim, the photographer suggested that the camera malfunctioned because of fear or some other nonsense. That's when the story hit the wire. And the creature was momentarily thrusted into infamy. But if this all sounds too good to be true, then I suppose you have a good BS meter. Because in this case, you'd be right. In reality, there had never been a wild man in Winstead. The original wire report had sprung from the overly fertile imagination of Lou Stone, a young reporter for the Winstead Evening Citizen. From there, mass psychology had done the rest. Reportedly, Stone came up with the idea because he needed to make $150 quickly, and he figured that the big city papers would be unlikely to buy a story about actual events in Winstead. He subsequently became well-known as a teller of tall tales, but the wild man was his first hoax, and it remained his most famous. Now that tidbit came from the website hoaxes.org. So if not Bigfoot, what could possibly have caused the ruckus that Sean reported? Well, given the location, Southern Connecticut, I have a couple suspects in mind. Presented to you via WABC, ABC News 7 out of New York City, and WFSB, Eyewitness News 3 out of Connecticut. 
resident came home to a bear inside her kitchen. Another, Can you imagine? I know, and look at this bear outside the window here. Unreal. Another bear in Canton had to be euthanized after several breaking into several homes there. And with bear sightings on the rise across our state, Channel 3 Eyewitness News reporter Erin Edwards talked to the woman from Winstead after that encounter. That woman tells us she's used to seeing bears around her yard in Winstead, but this was the first time she came home to find one inside her house. New at noon, cell phone video capturing a rare sighting, a moose running across a parking lot in Connecticut. It happened outside a movie theater in Danbury last weekend. The animal is seen running next to parked cars as someone in their car films. Another video you see here shows the same or a similar moose roaming around that city. State environmental officials are asking drivers to be on the lookout after recent sightings across the state. How rare is this? Well, they estimate there are only about 100 moose in all of Connecticut. And just to put that into perspective, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's about 100,000 deer in the state. Now, the point here being that Connecticut has some large known animals roaming around. And with things like that tromping around in the woods, it's certainly worth considering. But if we're going to play devil's advocate here, it's important to note that according to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Association, a group that keeps track of things like this, there have been 22 separate reports made in the Constitution State dating back from 1953 all the way to June of 2022, including this report from August of 1995. Tell me that at least part of this doesn't sound eerily familiar. There's a small pond located in the wildlife management area in Harwinton. I have frequently visited this place throughout my youth and adulthood to fish, camp, hike, bike, and hunt. The pond is spring-fed and is located in a flood control area. In late summer, the water level in the pond would drop drastically and create a high concentration of fish. The best time to go fishing was at night when the temperatures were cooler. On this particular night, I decided to go moonlight topwater bassin alone. I parked my car at the entrance gate around 9 p.m. and proceeded on foot down the service road. The moonlight was intense and afforded me the luxury of saving my flashlight batteries for most of the track. The trip from the road to the pond is approximately three quarters of a mile and takes you through several fields which are cut in the summer. On the way, I startled some deer that were around a salt lick. They ran off in the opposite direction of the pond. I walked through the final field and over a stone wall into a path that leads directly to the spot on the pond where I wanted to fish. The area from the stone wall to the pond is wooded and required the use of a flashlight. I had been fishing for approximately an hour and having some luck. The moon was full and almost directly overhead. I was out in the wide open and I could see very well all around the shoreline. The wood line around the pond was spaced from the water at least 30 yards plus in all directions. The moonlight didn't penetrate into the woods and so I could not see into them. I felt as though I were on center stage to anything that might be in the woods watching me. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a loud and deep sound emanated directly from the wood line where I had entered the area. My knees went weak and I nearly fell off the rocks. I turned to face the area in a ducking position trying to see what it was. 
The sound was again repeated after a short pause, and then nothing. I pointed my flashlight in the direction of the sound, but it was too far and too weak. Not even an eyeshine. The sounds were deep, came from something large, 200 plus pounds, and they echoed across the pond. They were definitely directed at me. Something was letting me know that it was there. I found it odd that prior to and after there were no sounds of walking in the woods. Whatever this was made a stealthy approach and exit, and I never heard anything again. I stayed and fished nervously for another hour and left the area scared, but without incident. When the moon hangs high on the breast of the lake and the bite of the wind is like a slap in the face, a legend of horror lurks in the haze. It's Bigfoot. A giant of a creature all covered with hair as tall as a timber and strong as a bear. Y'all better not go walking out there. Sean's experience and the BFRO report both took place less than 30 miles apart. And a link to this full report and the other 21 from the state can be located in tonight's show notes. It doesn't seem to matter where you are. Legends of an upright, hairy monster seem to persist, even in the most unlikely of places. So big thanks to you, Sean, again for the entry. And Sean, please, stay out of trouble. Oh, and that Bigfoot song you just heard a few moments ago, that was sent in by a listener. It had somehow evaded my radar until now, despite it being absolutely amazing, and being released back in 1976. That was Bro Smith with Bigfoot. The full link can be found, you got it, in the show notes. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Please take the time to follow us on our social media accounts. And we also have an account and we post over on YouTube as well. If you can, please leave us a rate and review wherever that sort of thing is possible. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will catch you all back here next week. Have yourself a good night.
was Children of the Anunnaki with Mystery Woman, a song that is out of this world. Mark, a member of Children of the Anunnaki, was kind enough to send me both the Bigfoot song previously played and his original Mystery Woman. If you like it, you know where to find it. With show notes. A big thanks to Mark for sending in both of those awesome tunes. Well, folks, tonight's bonus entry is, per usual, Weird AF. But that's just the way that we like it. Please join me in welcoming Dakota from Indiana to the program. Hi, Derek. My name is Dakota. I'm from western Indiana. I'm on my way to work right now, actually. And I was listening to season 13, episode 5, the grab bag episode. And I was driving down one of the local highways here. It's just a two-lane blacktop just north of North Salem. And I came around a corner. car passed me. I kicked my brights off, kicked my brights back on after the car passed me. And running across the road was, I thought, a fox. It's about three, four-foot long, red hair, but it was bipedal. It was on its hind legs running across the road. And I, 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 I'm still just trying to figure it out. But anyways, keep up the good work. Love everything about it. I listen to it religiously just about every day. So keep up the great work. Well, that is a first. Fox man. A were-fox. Whatever you want to call it. It reminds me of an obscure at least here in the States, television program from the early 2000s. A British program called The Mighty Boosh. And on the show, they featured a character called the Crack Fox. I suppose you probably had to have seen it. But if this is a new cryptid, I am unaware of it. So if anyone out there listening, perhaps in the Indiana area, has any additional information on the subject, please do the right thing and get a hold of us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-608-N-I-G-H-T. Oh, and if you're bouncing around the Indiana area, stop by The Lantern in Logansport. Owner, artist, Monsters Among Us collaborator, and all-around cool person, Brett Manning, has set up a delightful little shop worthy of a visit. So please go and support the weirdness because it's just too far away for me to. Now then, it's time to send this puppy into overtime. And if you'd like to join us over at Beyond, simply visit patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. Then select that $5 level, then boom, you're in. You're in for a treat, I would say. 
you'll get instant access to something like 70 bonus episodes. So hurry on over, even if it's only for a month or so. In that case, we still both win. Now, for all you monsters over in the beyond. My monster squad, if you will. Let me kick things off here with this entry. It just might keep you out of the woods. Hey, Derek. This is Casey uh, from uh, Washington area. But, uh, yeah, I got a story that um, I've been really trying to figure out what really happened, and I would love to hear your opinion on it. This happened five years ago. 